From the Heidelberg Catechism, we read together Lord's Day 48. What is the second petition? Your kingdom come, that is, so rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God? To a worldly kingdom? That is what the Jews did. They expected God to establish an earthly kingdom with Jerusalem at its center, with themselves as rulers over the whole world. They expected the kingdom of God to be political, it would begin with a successful revolt against the Romans and continue with them gaining domination over the nations and peoples of the earth. Many today still expect that the coming of God's kingdom will involve a restoration of the kingdom to Israel in the land of Palestine. But that's not what our Lord Jesus Christ taught us about the kingdom of God. He came preaching the gospel and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So according to Christ's teaching, the kingdom of God does not refer to a political situation in Israel. Instead, the kingdom of God refers to God's rule over the hearts and lives of his people refers to the way in which God governs us by his word and by the Holy Spirit. Our Lord Jesus Christ taught his people about the coming of his kingdom by telling them parables. He asked, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? And Jesus instructs us about the coming of God's kingdom by comparing it to a mustard seed. Pictures a gardener who took a mustard seed and planted it in the ground. The gardener knows it'll grow, that it'll become one of the largest of all the garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can settle in its shade. By using this parable, Christ teaches us that the kingdom of God would come through him. God sent him into the world to cause the coming of his kingdom. By human standards, our Lord's birth was quite insignificant. There was not much to commend the baby Jesus. His was a lowly birth. He grew up as a carpenter's son in Galilee. Not the sort of person you would expect to cause God's kingdom to come. And yet, despite its small beginnings, God's kingdom would continue to grow there would be continual progress. Christ taught his disciples to pray for the coming of his kingdom. And he teaches us to continue praying for it 
until it comes in all its fullness. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. The prayer for the coming of God's kingdom had a small beginning, is for continual growth, and will have a glorious result. The kingdom of God had a small beginning. Its beginning was so small that our Lord compared it to a mustard seed. The seed used to grow a mustard plant was the smallest of all common garden seeds. Its smallness caused it to be used in Proverbs to give expression to something that was exceedingly tiny. Who would have expected that? Having the kingdom of God compared to something so tiny. And yet that's what our Lord Jesus Christ does in the parable of the mustard seed. He says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed which a gardener plants in the ground. From the world's perspective, the kingdom of God was laughable. It began with the work of one man, a carpenter's son from Galilee. Who would have expected Mary's son to change the world? Who would have expected a working-class man to be given dominion over the earth? Just as most people wouldn't know, If you planted a seed in the garden, so the world didn't know that the kingdom of God was being established through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world didn't know that he existed. The people of Bethlehem seemed to have forgotten the wonders that took place at his birth. Yet our Lord Jesus Christ did begin to establish God's kingdom. Through his public ministry, he taught the people God's ways. He called them to come to him, to believe in him, to follow him. He called them to repent of their sinful ways and to devote their hearts to God's service. And he continually taught them about the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is not a kingdom of this world. It is a spiritual kingdom. It's a kingdom in which the word of God has a central role. Jesus told the parable of a sower spreading seed to make this clear to his disciples. Just as a farmer scatters seed on the ground, so the Lord preached to the covenant people of Israel. Although many rejected his teaching, some of the people followed Jesus. Some became his disciples. Our Lord prepared them to serve as leaders in his kingdom. Christ's disciples needed a lot of training in the kingdom of God. Like the rest of the Jewish people, they too were expecting the wrong kind of Messiah. They thought that the kingdom of God was something physical that would be established on earth. A clear example of this is when Jesus told his disciples that he was going up to Jerusalem to suffer many things and to be killed. Peter took him aside He rebuked him, saying, Far be it from you, O Lord, this shall never happen to you. Our Lord responded, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Even Jesus' closest disciples had a hard time understanding that the establishment of Christ's kingdom was not returning sovereignty to the Jewish state. Before he suffered and died, our Lord prayed for his disciples. 
We read this prayer together from John 17. Our Lord Jesus Christ is praying to the Father. He says he has made known the Father to his disciples. He tells the Father that they have accepted his teaching and believe that the Father sent him. Then Jesus prays that the Father will protect them, just as he did while he was on earth. Jesus does not pray that the disciples be taken out of the world, but that the Father protect them from the evil one. He prays that they may be preserved by the truth of God's word. Our Lord's prayer was a very necessary prayer, for he knew how vulnerable the kingdom of God was. Jesus would soon have to suffer on the cross and die. It was necessary for the kingdom of God to be established. Just as a mustard seed is planted in the ground, so Christ's body would have to be buried in the tomb. Christ's disciples would have to be left on their own. They would have to fend for themselves. The result would be that Jesus' disciples would be open to the attacks of Satan. He would cause them to doubt all that Christ had taught them. By taking away their master, the disciples would be left as helpless as a rudderless ship. Yet it was these disciples who would have to provide direction for all God's people. They were the foundation upon which the kingdom of God was to be built. Were they prepared for that? The events surrounding Christ's death suggest that they were not. All the disciples fled, abandoning their Lord. Peter even denied him. Imagine how the kingdom of God would have been viewed by the people of those days. The people of Israel knew about the Lord Jesus. They had listened to his preaching and had watched him do many miraculous signs. Yet in the end, most of them had rejected Christ's claim to be the Messiah. He was not the type of king they were looking for. Besides, his claims must have been false. He had been powerless to prevent his own death. He could not save himself. How was he supposed to save anyone else? If that was the response of God's covenant people, you can imagine the world's response to the kingdom of God. The Roman emperor would have laughed himself silly if he'd been told about 11 disciples who were the future of the kingdom of God. A small patrol of 50 soldiers could have wiped them out just like that. The wise philosophers of Greece would have scoffed at the teaching of Christ's disciples. They would have written them off as religious zealots doomed to disappear in obscurity. And yet... It's with this humble beginning that Christ began to establish his kingdom. Brings us to our second point, and we see that the prayer for the coming of God's kingdom is a prayer for continual growth. Beloved, when you plant a seed in the ground, it does not immediately sprout forth and grow into a large plant. It's the same with the mustard seed, which Christ compares to the kingdom of God. At first, this plant grew only slowly. During the public ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great majority of the people rejected him. At the time when 
The disciples replaced Judas with another apostle. The number of people who were gathered together was only 120. Yet in the days and weeks after Christ's resurrection, we see that the kingdom of God grows. The apostles proclaim the mighty deeds of God to all who are willing to listen to them. The Lord sent them the Holy Spirit to confirm them in the truth, to give them the courage and strength they needed for their difficult task. They taught the people about the Lord Jesus Christ, of how he had come in fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. They called the people to repent and believe in him. For Jesus Christ had not only died, he had also risen from the dead. He had ascended into heaven. He was now ruling the whole world from God's right hand. Beloved, we need to understand what we're asking when we pray, your kingdom come. When we pray this petition, we're praying for God to work in our hearts and in the hearts of all those lost in darkness. Through the fall into sin, our human nature is being corrupted. Our mind was polluted, so we no longer knew the truth about God. Our will became stubborn and rebellious against Him. Our hearts were turned away from His service. Therefore, we needed to be transformed. We needed God to rule over us by working in our lives by His Word and Spirit. Our lives needed to be turned around so we're made able and willing to serve God. The gospel is the power of God by which he transforms people's hearts and minds. The good news that Jesus died to pay for our sins, that he rose again to grant us new life in him, is what changes everything. By the working of his spirit, God uses this simple message to call people to repentance and faith. The gospel changes people from the inside out. Instead of being self-seeking and self-serving, the gospel transforms us so that we love God, so we serve him out of thankfulness for his redeeming work in Christ. The gospel changes us from proud, independent people to humble people who depend on the Lord for their salvation and well-being. God used a small group of men to first proclaim this gospel message. The apostles testified to the things they had seen and heard in the ministry of their Lord. Based on the Old Testament scriptures, they showed that Jesus had come in fulfillment of prophecy. To the small group of 120 gathered at Pentecost, the Lord added about 3,000 souls. Even though the Jewish religious council tried to muzzle the apostles, they refused to be silenced. By the time they appeared before the council, the number of men who had believed in Christ came to be about 5,000. Just like a tiny mustard seed grows into a large garden plant, so the kingdom of God also grew. From its very humble beginning, God asserted his rule over the hearts and lives of many people. The gospel continued to be preached, 
The kingdom of God grew into a movement that took the world by storm. Within the lifetime of the apostles, the gospel had been proclaimed through much of the known world. In 313 AD, Emperor Constantine decriminalized Christian worship, ending the persecution of Christians and making Christianity the official religion of the world empire, of the Roman Empire. This is not to say that the kingdom of God has become dominant in this world. Though millions of people have come to put their faith and trust in the Lord, on the whole, the world is still opposed to God's kingship. People are too busy serving themselves and doing what they please to be willing to submit their lives to God. And that's why Christ taught us to pray, your kingdom come. We need to pray that the Lord will continue to call people to his service. It's what our Lord, Jesus Christ himself also prayed. He prayed for all those who would believe in him through his disciples' word. Our prayers for God to preserve and increase the church are very necessary. For the devil works very hard to prevent anyone from coming to faith in Jesus Christ. He, does, he also does everything he can to draw us away from the service of God. When we pray, your kingdom come, we're asking God to be our king. It's our desire to serve him, not Satan. So we pray that God will rule us by his word and spirit. We pray this because it's our desire to continually grow in faith and in obedience to God. We know we have only a small beginning of the obedience that God requires of us. Even our best works are all, are all imperfect and defiled with sin. Because of this, we pray that God will so rule us by his word and spirit that more and more we submit to him. The Catechism explains that our prayers for the coming of God's kingdom include a request for the destruction of the works of the devil. For the kingdom of God to grow, his adversaries must be brought low. Peter warns us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. His strategies and his allies are many. He tries every trick he knows to draw us away from our submission to our king. Satan's basic strategy is to try take control of our minds. See, beloved, there's only two ways we can live. The one is by faith, trusting in God, submitting our lives to his will. The other is by thinking we know best, going our own way, doing what pleases us. If Satan can undermine God's authority and make us think we can get away doing what we want, he's got us. For then instead of submitting to our Lord's ways, we get drawn into temptation. Beloved, it's so easy to form bad habits, to lead a lifestyle that's contrary to God's word. 
It's difficult to break out of bad habits, to reform our lives so they're in line with God's word. Yet when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're asking the Lord to destroy the works of the devil because they lead us away from serving him. We're asking God to work turning our hearts and lives away from sin, helping us live in a way that honors him. And we're asking this not just for ourselves, but that God continues to gather many into his kingdom by the powerful working of his word and spirit. It brings us to our final point, in it we see that the prayer for the coming of God's kingdom will have a glorious result. Christ has taught us to pray, your kingdom come, until the fullness of God's kingdom comes, wherein he shall be all in all. The mustard seed grows into the largest of the garden plants. It has such big branches that the birds of the air can rest in its shade. Christ's reference to the birds of the air is a reference to the Gentiles. We see this from several Old Testament texts. For example, Ezekiel 17 verse 23 speaks about the Lord planting a tree in Israel which will produce branches and bear fruit. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. It's a messianic prophecy about how God himself was selected ascendant out of the house of David to be king over Israel and how the Gentiles will find refuge in him. Since his resurrection and ascension into heaven, Christ has been gathering not just his covenant people, but also the Gentiles into his kingdom. Since the early church, we've seen the gospel of Christ preached worldwide. The Bible has been translated into hundreds of languages and dialects. Christian missionaries have gone out to the ends of the earth. Today, the gospel continues to sound forth throughout this world. God uses interesting means to do so. Many people have come to know Christ and follow him through podcasts and sermons found online. While many in Europe and North America have turned away from the faith, Millions are coming to faith in Asia and South America and Africa. The kingdom of God will come when the Lord has gathered the last of his people from all tribes and nations and languages. And beloved, at that point in time, God's kingdom will triumph. Jesus will return on the clouds of heaven. All the people of this earth will come to stand before the judgment seat of God. Those who have believed in Christ and submitted their lives to God's service will receive eternal life. Those who rebelled against God, who refused to live according to his commands, will be condemned to hell eternally. And so all people will see that the kingdom of God is triumphant, over all other kingdoms and powers that ever had authority to govern on this earth. While the Lord Jesus was still on this earth, he prayed for this time. In John 17, 24, Jesus prayed, 
Father, I desire they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. This prayer shows that our Lord Jesus Christ wants his saints to be united with him eternally. When we pray your kingdom come, we're also praying for the return of the Lord Jesus on the clouds of heaven. We're praying for the time when we will share in the glory God has promised to all those who love him. So, beloved, we see that already from the very humble beginnings of God's kingdom, the church has been praying for a glorious result. The church has been praying that Christ would return, that God's rule and authority will be established on new heavens and a new earth, that all the saints would be able to serve God perfectly as renewed and restored creatures. We're asking for the return of our Savior on the clouds of heaven so that all people be forced to acknowledge that Christ alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. Beloved, when we pray the second petition, we may do so confidently. We see this in the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. There we confess, for yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Christ has won the victory over Satan by his death and resurrection. He is reigning over us from the throne at God's right hand. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to him. Our Lord is Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him. As our king, he will allow us to share in the blessings of his kingdom, now and forevermore. So let us continue to confidently pray for the coming of God's kingdom. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together hymn 46.